This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut coming to you from the Colonial Life Arena in downtown Columbia, where fans are starting to file in for tonight's SEC showdown between South Carolina and Kentucky. The Gamecocks at 15-3, and 3-2. and two. The sixth-ranked Wildcats at 14-3 and three and 4-1. and one. And, of course, it's a typical Kentucky team that's loaded with uh, top-notch players. And they just added, of course, an international standout that will only make them uh, that much more difficult for the Gamecocks to beat tonight, a 7-2 freshman forward. And uh, he showed his stuff in limited action on Saturday. Terrific outside shooter at 7-2. I guess think uh, Porzingis with the Celtics, that kind of player, tall, lean, not a lot of uh, fat on him, but can shoot the three, a difficult guard. But, of course, up and down the Kentucky lineup, you've got some of the best players in the country. That's what Kentucky is. Meantime, you got a scrappy bunch of Gamecocks that went out to Arkansas, did the job on the Razorbacks, played excellent defense, and they shot the three ball well last Saturday. And they have a lot of enthusiasm for this game. They're having a blackout. Students have bought up all the tickets available to them, so they're proud about that. Uh, Don Staley has come out on video to help support the men's basketball team. It's like they're throwing everything into the kettle for this thing against uh, Kentucky. But a uh, reminder, you got a lot of season left, win or lose. You're not even to the halfway point of the SEC schedule. You're 15-3, and three, you're 3-2. and two. A lot of basketball left. Yes, it would be great to beat Kentucky. This will not make or break your season one way or another. Chris Bergen joining us. Pat Daniel is off tonight. Josh Cohen back at our studios in downtown Columbia. Yeah, it is great, Chris. You know, we always complain about the lack of overall excitement for college basketball year to year in South Carolina. It is great when you got a big night like this. you got one of the Blue Bloods coming to town the uh, the university has thrown all kind of all kind of hype into this, and they should, and that's great, and the fans should be excited, and they should, and they should pack the place, and they should. But there's a lot more basketball to be played. The Missouri game coming up on Saturday, I would contend, is more important. Now, this will sound probably stupid, but it's probably more important than this game. This is a cherry on top game. I mean, you win it, fantastic. You lose it. Most didn't think you were going to win it. But then Missouri, a team you've already beaten, a team that's a little bit down, they're coming to your place. You've got to protect the home court. That's the kind of game you cannot lose right. if you're going to have a really good season. Well, I wouldn't say more important. Clearly, when you take on a top-10 team, that's a critically important game because it helps, and it's an amazing bump. If Carolina were to pull this off tonight, their net ranking would jump through the roof. But you're right. It's not going to be a bad loss 
like Missouri would be. Missouri, a loss to Missouri would hurt a whole lot more probably than even a win over Kentucky would. I, I get your point there. You've got to take care of business against the teams you're expected to defeat. And then you start looking around the corner. I mean, they've still got to play Tennessee twice. You've got to go to Georgia. You've already lost to Georgia once, probably a game they should have won. But you have some winnable games coming up after this Kentucky game. You, you throw a lot at this ball game. And fortunately, I guess it's Tuesday, and then you have time to recoup. Uh, recoup rather, Regardless of, of what happens, win or lose, they'll have time to recover and get ready to go on Saturday and get their minds refocused. And I think that's going to be the interesting thing to see tonight is how do the Gamecocks sort of manage playing as well as they did in Fayetteville? Can they put back-to-back tremendous performances on the floor against the Kentucky team that, quite frankly, Phil, has no business. They, they could, could not care any less about playing defense. They're one of the best offensive teams in the country. But if you look at their scoring margin, it's not all that wide. You would expect them scoring 92 points a game. They would be, they'd have a scoring margin of plus 20, plus 25. It's actually right around 13 because they give up about 78 points a game. They have very little interest on the defensive end. They play as fast as anybody in the country. This is where the Gamecocks have to control the tempo. You've got to slow these guys down. You've got to be very deliberate in the half court. Make them work on defense because it's not what they want to do and find a way to slow them down on offense. If you can get this game in the 70s, I think South Carolina's got a really, really good chance tonight. Well, you've got to make outside shots. Yeah, you've got to defend the three, and you've got to rebound. You cannot allow the long rebound. You know when you shoot a lot of threes, there's going to be long rebounds. You've got to be – and that's tough when you're trying to coach that up because you want your players to crash the boards, but you've also got to be aware of those long rebounds. Giving Kentucky extra shots, not going to be good for the Gamecocks tonight if they plan to pull off the upset in front of what will be a raucous crowd here tonight. As I was making my way over to the arena, I saw a lot of folks in in blue. You know, Kentucky fans, they are like NFL fans in that they can't get, a lot of them can't get tickets to their home games So they travel extremely well, and they buy the tickets that are available on the road. And, you know, most of the teams around the SEC for most of the years never have supported basketball like Kentucky has, and so there's plenty of tickets to be bought. I've been to games here, both at the CLA and the old Carolina Coliseum, where you had, uh, gosh, nearly as many Kentucky fans in the arena as you had um, Gamecock fans at times. Here's a good, interesting uh, trivia question for you. I already bounced it on you, but looking through the Gamecock notes. So remember, now the Gamecocks won at Rupp last year. In fact, I was there at Rupp when they won the first time with Eddie Fogler and that crowd back in the late 90s when they won the SEC regular season championship. I went (laughs) to Lexington. Real quick, I remember Dick Vitale telling he was doing the game that Carolina won at home. And the Wildcats made a late run at them, if memory serves. And I remember Vitell saying vividly, you better win this game, USC, because there's no way you go to Kentucky at the end of the year when they'll be singing, you know, uh, my old Kentucky home and the tears will be flowing on senior day to win. And yeah. then I, I happened to chuckle about three weeks later when they did actually go in and pull that off. Well, I tell you what, I mean, if you're a basketball fan, that's a must-stop on your no question. highway travels of basketball arenas. You've got to go to a home game, a good home game at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. First of all, the place, the lights that they use, are they have blue hue to them. So you walk in, you're like in, in a color of blue. And then the thing that impressed me, of course, 
how much their fans are into it, but they have their full band in the stands, or at least, you know, not just a pet band. They had, like, right. their whole marching band was part of the, uh, the, the setting there. And, of course, uh, you know, the very, very active during timeouts, keeping their fans into the game. Things, you know, one thing I think if I can offer a criticism about South Carolina and Clemson now and the way they've gone with their in-game production and maybe this is the wave of the way things are now, thinking that the fan wants to be entertained by music and people on the court during games. But, you know, I hate the fact that they've give, pretty much given up on their pep band and their cheerleaders going out on the court and doing things to get their fans off their seats and standing up and getting some noise going instead of waiting for the game to come back into action and trying to get the fans going that way. I can remember the days when the cheerleaders would take over the court and their job was to keep you up and keep you into the ball mm-hmm. game. I think too many times, especially when you've got your home team is on a run, you know, a 10-point run, a 12-point run, and the crowd is screaming and the opposing team calls a timeout and they go into the timeout and the crowd is screaming and what, what are you going to do? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's root on Johnny here as he tries to roll in this putt to win a hundred thousand dollars. You know, or some kind of some kind of game like that. I would say get your cheerleaders on the floor, get your band going, keep your fans up, and keep the place rocking. But that's just that's just nostalgic old me. So looking forward to this game tonight. Going to tip off a little bit after seven o'clock. SEC Network. They've got uh, their prime crew here. So. This is a big deal, big deal, many different ways for uh, the Gamecocks tonight and this basketball team. Oh, what I was going to say is, and Gamecocks won last year. Remember, Michi Johnson went off for 26 points, and that made Lamont Paris, uh, well, he beat Kentucky. So now tonight he can go 2-0 against Kentucky. Only one other Gamecock coach started their career at South Carolina against Kentucky 2-0 and actually went 3-0 during his time. Yeah, and I guess it was Eddie Fogler, and I was wrong. Yeah, it was Darren Horn. Won his first two that. games against Kentucky, and as it says here, started 3-0 and in program history. Uh, one of the few good things, keep in mind his first year at South Carolina was pretty good. You know, they were knocking right on the door of an NCAA tournament bid and uh, and didn't get it, but Otherwise, it was kind of um, a kind of a forgettable thing. Um, you talk about the comparison of uh, com- comparing the numbers. Kentucky averages round numbers ninety two points a game. The Gamecocks average seventy three. Kentucky's giving up seventy seven. The Gamecocks are giving up sixty five. The uh, Wildcats are shooting over fifty percent from the floor. The Gamecocks are shooting forty four percent. That makes Kentucky number seven in the country. But opponents are shooting 42% against Kentucky, uh, and opponents are shooting 41% against the Gamecocks. So they're a little bit better there. Three-point shooting, Kentucky's at 40%, which is number six in the country, and the Gamecocks are at uh, 34%. So, again, you're going to have to defend the three-point shot tonight, South Carolina. Free-throw shooting. Kentucky's at about 75%. The Gamecocks are at 72%. And rebounding average, Kentucky's about 38 a game. The Gamecocks are 37 a game. So turnovers are pretty close uh, between the two. So really, it just comes down to making and missing. And if they can affect Kentucky's um, 
uh, rhythm and their their ability to uh, run their offense outside the line and make shots um, and then rebound those balls that will come off. I think that's going to be key for South Carolina tonight. Protecting the defensive boards, you're right. Don't give Kentucky any more opportunities than, than you have to. But I really think tempo is the difference in this game. If Lamont Paris can find a way to turn this into a half-court game, because John Calipari's guys, they want to run a track meet. They want to score 100 points. They want to shoot a bunch of threes. They want to slam dunk. want to take the crowd out of it as quickly as they can. USC's got to find a way to control the tempo and make this a half-court grinded-out game that Kentucky does not want to play. And, again, if, if they can keep it in the 70s, I think USC probably wins. It starts getting up around 80, 90 points. I'm not sure the Gamecocks have enough offense to keep up with the U.K. All right, our phone number is 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you right here on Sports Talk. Let's mention a few other things of note. We'll get you some recruiting here in a little bit. I'll be departing about 645 or so, 650, to get positioned to uh, cover the game. From start to finish, usually I get to these 7 o'clock tips a little bit after halftime. But, hey, it's a special night. Calipari's in town. It's Kentucky. All the beautiful people of basketball are going to be watching. Why shouldn't we be there on time from the uh, from the get-go? Uh, just breaking nationally, Joe Maurer has been elected to Cooperstown. How about that? Grew nice. up in uh, Minneapolis. Minnesota kid. Spent most of his career with the twins if not all of his career did he spend did he ever leave minnesota he is going to go to uh, cooperstown on the first ballot he's the first one to be announced tonight joe mauer what do you think of that i think it's a, a good pickup I, I didn't follow mauer's career all that much not a real big twins fan but when you talk about minnesota it's it doesn't take long after you mention kirby puckett and those type guys to run across him so i think it's a no-brainer also adrian beltrade is going into the hall of fame the uh, texas rangers great there you go. There you go. So those are um, the first two, evidently. Now, today, of course, the ACC uh, trickling out information about their football schedules for this year. Their big releases tomorrow. That's going to be the, uh, the bulk of the schedule. But today, they gave us the Thursday and Friday games. They call these specialty games. Yes, sir, boys, nothing more special than a Thursday night game between Wake Forest and North Carolina A&T. I'm telling you, that is the height of specialness. So Thursday night games in the ACC this coming season, week one will be North Carolina, Minnesota, and also you've got NC State, Western Carolina, and Wake Forest and North Carolina A&T. Okay. That's uh, the first week on a Thursday night. Then Friday in week one, you got Duke and Elon. That's special. And Stanford and TCU. Week two on a Friday, SMU and BYU. Then on week number four, it's Stanford against Syracuse. Week five is Virginia Tech and Miami. Then you go to week number eight, Florida State and Duke on a Friday. On Thursday of that week, Boston College and Virginia Tech. And then you go to week number nine on a Thursday, Syracuse at Pitt and Louisville on a Friday at Boston College. Then we go to week 11, California on a Friday playing at Wake Forest. California on a Friday night playing at Wake Forest. That's week 11, and then week 13, 
November 21st, North Carolina State at Georgia Tech. So, thankfully, no Clemson on a Thursday night or a Friday night. You think Clemson said, put us on a Thursday or a Friday and we're leaving. You think what they, what, is that what they I said? Is so. that what they told them? I hope so. I, I, I can't believe Florida State's playing a Friday game. Mm-hmm. You would have yeah. thought if anybody who was upset about the league would have told them, look, we're not playing Friday games. Mm-hmm. Uh, good for Clemson not getting trapped into having to play a ridiculous Friday night football game uh, to go up against the high schools. I, I still don't like that at all. Never have, never will. College games should not be played on Fridays. But Thursdays I've, I've sort of gotten accustomed to. I, I'm just fascinated with the West Coast teams having to travel east for those primetime games and not the other way around. You notice none of the East Coast teams have to go out to the West Coast. Good point. Good point. Stanford goes to Syracuse. Cal goes to Wake Forest. I well, guess this is initiation into the ACC, huh? Yeah, or or it's a good point. Now think about it. If you go the other direction, you go to the West Coast, and you want to play like an 8 o'clock game for East Coast TV or 730, yeah. then you're talking about a about 430 point. kickoff and all kind of stuff like that out there. So that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. Let's see what else we've got here real quick. Um South Carolina State corners coach, I guess former corners coach, Corey Barlow, going to be the cornerbacks coach at Alabama A&M. That's from Football Scoop. A USC women's guard, Malaysia Fulwiley, SEC co-freshman of the week for her role in the win at Texas A&M on Sunday. And we uh, update the poll question of the week. Who do you expect to be the Gamecocks starting quarterback? This season, 657 votes are in. Still heavy on Lenoris Sellers at 90.9%, 4.4%. Robbie Ashford, 3.5%. Luke Doty. Uh, Dante Reno has gained a little more support at 1.2%. So people are sold on Lenoris Sellers. No question about it. Is that because you think that's who they want or they know him better? They've seen him play, and so they're more comfortable with Lenoris Sellers. I mean, I guess both could be true. Because yep. I think most Gamecock fans would like to see Lenoris get that job just because he's a South Carolina guy. He turned down an opportunity to go up to Syracuse and changed his commitment to go to USC and, and performed when he was thrown in last year. But I think it's also the, the devil you know, if you will. I mean, uh, we've seen what he can do. Not quite sure many people followed all these other guys' careers, certainly Dante Reno coming out of high school. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, uh, phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. We'll get to your phone calls in just a second. want to remind you that the weather is starting to turn a little bit nicer here this week and be a little bit warmer. I know we might have a little bit of cold still to come, but for the most part, we're all thinking about spring and summer in South Carolina. Go ahead and make your plans for a getaway to the beach, call Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate, 843-237-4246. Also at pauliesvacationrentals.com. Just tell Jimmy what you're looking for. Let Jimmy and the staff go to work, and they'll get back to you with exactly what you need at a great price. You want to buy some property as well, Jimmy's the man to call for that too. 843-237-4246. Pauly's VacationRentals.com, your perfect beach getaway. Get to it. Don't delay because if you delay, then what you might get might not be waiting for you. So I advise you to make that call right away, 
42-46, the number. Shall we go to the phones? We go to uh, Gamecock Larry over in Swansea tonight once again. Gamecock Larry, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Short and sweet. Beachy Johnson, kick off 7-2 on the knee and shift the three. Gamecocks 92, Kentucky's 71. Go Gamecocks. Talk to you later. Love all y'all. Kick him on the knee. Shoot the three. Got him going. Feeling good like a Gamecock should. Go Gamecocks. Talk to you later, Mr. Phil. All right. (laughs) Now, we do not encourage violence on the basketball court, so kicking them in the knee is not suggested by Sports Talk. You take that upon yourself to follow that advice. The 7-2 freshman, Zivonimir Ivasic, 7-2-234 from Croatia, and he was a guy that the NCAA required to sit out nine games because he was a professional overseas. Doesn't make any sense to me that they still do that. But uh, then again, I just saw a report out of Athens about some uh, level three violations against the Georgia football program related to, I don't know, a coach made a, a phone call to a recruit a couple of days before he should have. There was a transportation thing here and there. And I just... Uh, these rules, the NCAA, again, we're at the point where you, your rules are just stupid. They just go against the grain of common sense, and you would do yourself a big favor if you get rid of some of these stupid rules because they don't hold up in court. And if somebody, I'm a little surprised they didn't take the NCAA to court over this guy. Yeah, But I guess Kentucky's had enough Reeves. problems that they don't need to drum up anything else with themselves. Well, and I'm, glad, I'm glad that Antonio Reeves is not being paid to play at Kentucky. So that's that's good to hear. So he's not a professional like Big Z is. Exactly. He's averaging 20 points a game, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's not getting paid anything to play. Yeah. Again, it it flies in the sense of of, uh, of, – In the face of common sense is is what I'm trying to get to. I just – you know, you can be a a professional over there, and you can be paid here because the the NCAA – even though you're getting paid through NIL efforts and through that process, they don't see that as being paid as like a, like a professional, you know, it's just, it's just, it's words. It's, it's word salad is what it is. It's just how you term it. Um, and you know, again, one thing I do want to go back and state about this whole world that we're in now, because people forget, you know, and I see, people who write who are strongly in favor of NIL and the players getting whatever they can get. They want to say they want you to believe that all these athletes over all these decades went and played at these schools and got nothing in return. Okay? And I want to remind everybody, especially those people, they got something very nice in return. They got a four or five year education, paid for totally free. And they got the health benefits. They got the medical care. They got everything that came along with the scholarship. Now, people will say the scholarships weren't guaranteed for four years. This is true. <coughs> Excuse me. At the very end of this cold. That, that's true. But you go back and you look at your typical team of the 60s, 70s, 80s. 
the team that you signed, when you signed that class, unless they flunked out or unless they did something illegal, by and large, that group is going to be with you for four or five years. Would you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, in the past. That's what I'm saying. There yeah. wasn't a there was some transferring. I didn't, I'm not saying that nobody ever transferred. And maybe the fact that you had to sit out a year kept you in place. Uh, then again, you know, baseball players way back then could transfer without penalty. But you didn't see a lot of that going on. But my point in all this is players were compensated. It just wasn't called NIL. It just it wasn't called payment. But they were compensated. I mean, that gummit, a free college education over four or five years is a lot of money and means mm-hmm. something and is worth something. And so I really, I get irritated with people who want to make it sound like players got nothing prior to this NIL age. That's just totally bogus if you want to be fair about it. All right, we'll come back. We're going to give you recruiting here early on. Some comments from Lamont Paris as well. We'll be back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Big Tuesday night at basketball here in the Palmetto State, highlighted by South Carolina hosting Kentucky. Tip-off coming a little bit after 7 o'clock. We are at the Colonial Life Arena. Be sure to follow us on our Twitter or our X account at Sports Talk SC. Post-game coverage on our website, sportstalksc.com. you got Duke and Louisville tonight. In Louisville, of course, Clemson plays at Duke on Saturday. Pittsburgh's at Georgia Tech. Florida State is at Syracuse. Boston College is at Virginia Tech. Missouri at Texas A&M tonight. That's the schedule around the SEC and the ACC besides this game here in Columbia. Speaking of, Coach Lamont Paris has got the Gamecocks playing excellent basketball, playing good team basketball, excellent chemistry on this team of course, going to be down a key player in Miles Studi. But he was pleased with what Zachary Davis gave him against uh, Arkansas as he stepped in as the starter. They'll need more good stuff out of him. His length can be very valuable for the Gamecocks defensively tonight against these uh, tall, lean Kentucky players. He met with the media yesterday. Uh, Paris did. Here's a couple of minutes of what he had to say about facing Kentucky and the excitement around this game. It's fun for the guys. They've worked really hard to put themselves in position that uh, this game matters more, I guess you'll say. I mean, to the fans and to all the people around. So it uh, should be a fun atmosphere. It should be a, a great environment and just fun for the guys. Look at the X and O's for Kentucky. What about them stand out from last year to this year? Have you noticed anything that's drastically different? Yeah, I mean, offensively, they're significantly different and um, more versatile than they were last year. Uh, A lot of guys that can score, they shoot the three ball way, way better than what they did last year. They're better in transition than what they did last year than they were last year. So, um, you know, completely different team on both sides. I'm sure he'll tell you they're completely different, and I think we all know we have a completely different team. You were talking about how the team, after the Georgia loss, felt like they were on a bit of a mission headed into that Arkansas Road one. Do you feel that same energy from them headed into now a huge one tomorrow? Yeah, I think so. Honestly, we we this whole thing is a mission. It's a journey. And so um, the more things that you ultimately accomplish, there'll be more buzz around the next thing that you have a chance to do. Um, and so 
but we try to just take it one game at a time, and you know they all mean the same, uh, honestly. But uh, it'll be fun. Just it's it's Kentucky, and they they have a really good team this year, um, and we get a chance to come back home and, and put ourselves in a chance with, or uh, in a position where we could be two games up, uh, over 500 in the league. So. Come on, I heard that. Uh... Kentucky recently got a seven footer that uh, now can play. Yeah. Do you, how does that impact your game plan? How does that impact what you guys want to do with it? Um, not 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 a whole lot. I mean, we try to, especially at this point in the season. Um, you know, you're like two thirds of the way through, about almost. But uh, you just you just worry about what you do, and if you do the things. I find oftentimes if you do the things well that you hold uh, dearly, you end up being in a good position. If you're a team that values rebounding or values shooting a bunch of threes or values post play or whatever it is, if you look back and say the, the, the main two or three things that we like to do, we got done on that day, you find yourself in a pretty good position. So we'll worry most about us. I mean, he's a talented, talented player. Um, and so, uh, but they got a lot of guys that are talented, a lot of guys that can play. They do a good job playing well together. They share the ball. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a, 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 a friend of mine played against him this year, and he says it's one of the best three offensive teams that he's ever been around. Um, and so, so it presents a good challenge for us. Okay, Lamont Paris trying to go 2-0 and against Kentucky, trying to keep the Gamecocks in Contention for a spot in the NCAA tournament down the road. Looking at Joe Lenardi's latest bracket today, he's got the Gamecocks as one of the last four buys in the field. Now, he's got South Carolina as an 11th seed playing in Brooklyn against FAU, a number six seed. Okay, so you can go have a bagel and basketball <laughs> up in Brooklyn. He's got I think the Clemson. Gamecocks would enjoy going back to New York. Yeah, don't you think? I would say so. Bring back some fond memories for them yes, for sure. Would. That was covering that regional was one of the most fun things I've ever done in the years of of covering things. That was just just being in New York, being at Madison Square right. Garden. Now you just can't beat it. Clemson, he's got as a seven seed in Indianapolis playing TCU. He's got Kentucky as a three seed playing uh, High Point in Pittsburgh. So, look, long way to go. Oh, yeah. Everybody's still kind of guessing and throwing uh, throwing their arrows at the uh, at the wall and seeing what, what sticks and um, shooting their arrows at the wall and seeing what sticks. And um, there'll be a lot of um, maneuvering here between now and um, Selection Sunday for sure. But right now he's got South Carolina and Clemson uh, both in there. The uh, – First four out, Gonzaga, Providence, uh, Colorado, and Wake Forest. Next four out, Indiana State, Nevada, Florida, and Texas. Be some unhappy people in Gainesville and Austin if that holds up. Well, and here's the funny part about how different uh, people view different things. Like we were talking last week with the AP and all the different baseball polls. Uh, Fox says South Carolina is an eighth seed. So squarely in the field against mm-hmm. Texas Tech and nine. And then I believe they had Clemson as a seven seed, if I'm not mistaken. I'm scrolling uh, to the uh, West Regional. Yeah, Clemson is a seven seed, taking on Ole Miss as a 10 seed in the West Regional. So go figure. 
Really? Like I said, there's a lot of basketball still to be played before this is all sorted out. Yes. But it's fun to talk about, you know. It's fun to talk it's about. It's good to be able to talk about because we legitimately have both the Gamecocks and Tigers in a position right now in January where they can make the tournament. Last year at this time, Clemson was the only one that was in a position to make the tournament. I mean, the Gamecocks were pretty much out of the mix already unless mm-hmm. they made a remarkable run through the SEC tournament, and I don't think any of us believe that would happen. So yep. now you're talking about two teams that legitimately, if they take care of their business, can make the field. All right, just seeing a release from Kentucky being repeated by John Rothstein that uh, a do thero or is it a do thyro general soreness is out for tonight's game against South Carolina per a release from Kentucky. So take a look and see what that means from a Kentucky standpoint. Um as far as how much they will miss him and what he brings to the table. He's a 6'8 guard, so he's one of those um, tall, lean, outside wow. guys. 6'8, 222. Uh, Adu Thiera is how you pronounce it. Thiera. And uh, see if I can pick up his numbers here real quick. Do you know much about him? I, I don't. I'm, I'm fascinated by the term general soreness. So, I mean, what, what exactly does that mean? I mean, you want to be vague in your injury report. I'm not sure you can be more vague than that. I mean, that would cover everything from a headache to a broken leg, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean maybe he's – I don't know if he got run over by a player or something and is, you know uh, – He hasn't played it, evidently in about a month. So yeah. It's it's not – I don't think it's going to be a, a big loss yeah. from Kentucky, at least game plan-wise. They've, they've figured out how to deal without him. Yeah, he last played on December 21st against Louisville, and he played the 13 minutes. So he was he was getting some floor time. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked like he was averaging about 20 minutes a game. So he was a player, and he was and he was uh, looks like he scored some. Um, but yeah, general soreness has been the uh, reason for his absence since then. So yeah, he has not played since. Uh, December 21st, which means, you know, they've obviously figured out how to play without him, right. and others have others have stepped up. So um, no big surprise there, I guess, to the Kentucky people that he's going to be out with uh, general soreness is how they are putting it. I've never yeah. heard that before. Scored 16. Listen, I mean, obviously he's a player. He scored 16 oh, yeah. points against Kansas uh, back in November, had th- 16 points and 13 rebounds against Kansas. So yeah. as a – as a guard, so what does that tell you? You know, he's not at Kentucky if he can't play. Right? California's right. not running a, a day camp there, so yeah, 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 he can play. All right, let's get to the recruiting report before we uh, turn our eyes here to the basketball game. Our recruiting report is brought to you by our good friends over at Sea Wells. Don't forget to get to Sea Wells the rest of the week for the daily luncheon buffet from eleven till two. It's only fourteen dollars. It is money well spent. What you got? Well, and just a heads up, no Friday. They are closed for a private event coming up on Friday. So that means that Thursday will be an RBT, a roast beef Thursday. But for Mm. tomorrow, yeah, for tomorrow, Wednesday, January 24th, you'll have seasoned baked pork chops along with what I've, I've grown to know as Pat's favorite, the fried fish nuggets, teriyaki and lemon pepper chicken wings as well. One of the best, if not the best, uh, deals on chicken wings. All you can eat at the Seawells Buffet, along with all your farm fresh vegetables, fruits, salad bar, and dessert. You really get into doing the menu, don't you? <laughs> I do. 
and I've already Enjoy eaten, that. so I'm, I'm, yeah. it's not like I'm hungry right now. I've already had dinner, but uh, yeah, yep. that sounds really good. But yeah, keep that in mind. Closed on Friday for a private event, so the roast beef Thursday this week, not a roast beef Friday. Which means it'll be even rarer because it's one less day of, of being cooked. So Exactly. That makes any sense to you. And for catering, <laughs> for catering, all your catering needs, just call Seawells at 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. Hybrid tight end, Stephen Collier, River Bluff, was one of the prospects at USC Saturday. He got a chance to meet with the new receivers coach, James Coley, and also the tight ends coach now, Justin Stepp. He's a guy that can play both, so he talked to both coaches, and they kind of laid it out for him as far as what they like about him and what they would see for him. Now, they haven't offered yet, but I think he kind of feels like it's going to happen at some point. He really liked Coley. He likes the fact that Coley has developed, as he calls it, uh, dudes, and that Coley had talked to him and kind of told him how they could make him a, a dude as well. So, Good things happening there both ways, but still work to be done. He will continue with visits. This weekend he's going to Florida. The following weekend he's going to Virginia. Gaffney offensive tackle Shed Surratt was also at USC Saturday. He's also having serious conversations with NC State and Tennessee. He talks with USC OL coach Lonnie Teasley about every other day. Not yet heard from Clemson's new OL coach Matt Luke. He did have contact with the previous coach, Thomas Austin. Last season, he went to games at USC, Clemson, Duke, North Carolina, and Virginia Tech. He said right now feels his strongest relationships are with USC and Cincinnati. Plans to get to Cincinnati for one of their junior days. Does not plan to make a decision until after next season. He is scheduled to visit Georgia Tech this weekend and Florida February 3rd. More offers handed out by USC. Safety, Deshaun Stewart, 6'2", 185, Wayne, New Jersey. Tight end, Nicholas Townsend, 6'4", 225, Houston. Wide receiver, Tanook Hines, 6'1", 180, Houston. 2026 defensive tackle, Cameron Brickle II, 6'3", 295, Rancho Santa Margarita, California. Sounds like a drink, doesn't it? Bartender, I'll have a Rancho Santa Margarita. I was waiting for a Rancho, Rancho Santa. Exactly. It's probably Santa, not Santa. I'm, I'm Santa sure. Margarita. Clemson offered cornerback Tay Harris of Cedartown, Georgia. He decommitted from Georgia last week. Kirby Smart was in to see him yesterday, by the way. Clemson coaches today visited with wide receiver Cortell Mills of Homestead, Florida, among their stops. USC coaches, among their stops, visited with safety Jonte Gilbert of Atlanta. He is scheduled to visit USC this weekend. He's been to Georgia, NC State, and Georgia Tech. USC target offensive tackle Michael Carroll was offered by Florida. USC target 26 linebacker Shadarius Tootle of Mobile, uh, Mobile, Alabama, was offered by Georgia Tech. Clemson target wide receiver Travis Smith, Atlanta, was offered by Oklahoma. Cornerback Shamari Earls of Chester, Virginia, plans to visit USC this weekend. 2026 wide receiver Jordan Gidron of Ridgeview plans to visit USC Saturday. He also was offered by Cincinnati today. Offensive tackle Chauncey Gooden of Nashville plans to visit Clemson Saturday for their junior day. 
Abbeville safety Demarcus Leach was offered by Appalachian State. Running back Zion Dobson of Hampton County committed North Carolina Central. South Carolina native 2027 quarterback Mason Holtzclaw of Christ School in Asheville, North Carolina, was offered by Appalachian State and also by Charlotte. And this is interesting, Oklahoma State transfer quarterback Gunner Gundy, son of Gunner Gundy, transferring to Alabama. Hmm. What do you think that means in that quarterback room? Because you got the starter returning, right? Yeah, and then you've got um, you got the start. You got the starter returning, and then you got the two young guys who held over from last year. Uh, did they have any other quarterbacks transfer in yet? Well, they lost one. They lost a quarterback commitment who transferred or, or changed his commitment to Ohio State. So I guess they could use another veteran quarterback in their locker room or in their quarterback room. I guess that's why he's going there. And you would think. He's probably going there to compete, if not get a chance to play. You know, these guys don't transfer without an opportunity, at least uh, getting an assurance they'll have an opportunity to contend. Now, whether I doubt he was promised he'd start over Jalen Milrow, he's going to have to play really, really well. But I, I would think he's going in there to certainly push Milrow. Yeah. They do have – there was somebody connected to Washington. I think it might have been a committed quarterback who's changed his commitment to Alabama. There's some – I think there's another quarterback coming, as I recall, this week of a player going, I think, from Washington to Alabama to to follow DeBoer. Not our problem. That'll do it for recruiting here tonight on Sports Talk, brought to you by Seawells. That's going to do it for me. Turn it over to Chris. Reminder, follow along on our Twitter at sportstalksc.com, also known as X. Got to remember to say X and not Twitter. Follow us on our X at sportstalksc.com. Post-game coverage on our website, sportstalksc.com. Chris, take it away. I know you got a special guest at the top of the hour. Yeah, we'll bring in our sixth man off the bench. Smitty will join us just after 7 o'clock. Austin Mack is the young man you're thinking of transferring from Washington to Alabama mm. as the quarterback. So that's the guy. You go enjoy the game. Should be a lot of fun tonight. We'll look forward to uh, hearing from you at halftime. Yep. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. What's a deductible, you say? That's the price you have to pay before the insurance will say we'll help you. They keep that number out of reach because they know that you won't reach that number because they know you're healthy. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. 605-7905. 727 is the area code. 
Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Every lottery ticket purchase keeps education in our state moving forward. In fact, the lottery has raised more than $200 million for state school buses to get our students to school safely every day. Then, the lottery helps those students go even further in their education by funding the Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships. So remember, when you play the lottery, you're keeping South Carolina students on the road to success. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. We are Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network all across the state of South Carolina. Phil has ducked inside the Colonial Life Arena. We're here in about 10 minutes. They will tip it off between uh, Carolina and Kentucky. Starters have been announced for the Gamecocks uh, without Miles Studi. Zach Davis will get his second straight start. He'll join Michi Johnson and Talon Cooper in the backcourt. Then it's B.J. Mack and Colin Murray Boyles along the uh, front line. Meantime, for Kentucky, Big Z does not start for them. They'll run out Justin Edwards and their leading scorer, Antonio Reeves, along with D.J. Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, and Trey Mitchell to start the ball game for one of the best offenses in the country. As I mentioned with Phil earlier, as you start uh, settle in and watch that game, Game of styles, and certainly uh, styles make fights. And if the Gamecocks can control tempo, I think they've got a really good shot tonight. If Kentucky can get it up and down the floor like they want to do when they score 92 points a game, uh, then it's going to be a long night for USC. So they've got to find a way to turn this into a half-court ball game tonight for sure. Triple eights, eight nine eight two five two five. If you'd like to dial us up here this evening, we've got room for you here on the uh, phone line. Smitty will join us just after the uh, top of the hour. We'll also hear back from uh, Corn at halftime to get an update on how things are going inside the Colonial Life Arena. Thought this was interesting. We touched on this uh, yesterday, and should South Carolina win tonight? Be curious to see how the reaction will be afterwards. Will it be a situation where the students will overwhelm the staff and end up on the floor and we'll have another court storming incidents 
Uh, hopefully not to the likes that we have seen over the weekend where we saw both at Ohio State in a women's game where they rushed onto the floor and knocked Caitlin Clark down. And also he had a situation of, at Memphis where Tulane pulled off an upset and a Memphis player got bumped into by a Tulane fan trying to get off the court as well. Michael DeCourcy, who writes for the uh, Sporting News and also does some basketball work for Fox Sports as well, had an interesting column that he wrote, uh, I guess, earlier today, and it was basically Caitlin Clark uh, collision, another example why allowing court storms isn't worth the risk. And if you've listened to this program, you know I wholeheartedly believe that. You pay for a ticket and sit in seats, not to end up on the floor. But he brought up a point that, you know, removing the court storm would not diminish the extraordinary atmosphere at a college basketball game. They don't storm at Allen Fieldhouse, but go to a game there at Kansas and see if anything feels missing. I would agree with him on that. I don't think it takes away at all. And the only way to prevent injuries, of course, is to keep spectators off the court and in the stands where they belong. Now, of course, Ron Artest changed all this, of course, he points out, back during his NBA career when he actually took his game into the stands and uh, went into the fans in a game at Detroit back during the 0405 season in pursuit of someone he believed to thrown a water bottle at him. He was suspended for the remainder of that year's games. He didn't miss one game. He wasn't fined $15,000. His team wasn't fined $50,000 because, as we have found out, in the SEC in particular, where they try and hand down fines, it does not prevent the court storming, nor does it prevent the field storming, as we saw a couple of seasons ago when Tennessee beat Alabama. He missed 86 games, largely because he had broken the boundary between the competitors and the audience. And as DeCourcy writes, there's no good reason to the reverse should be permitted, let alone celebrated. It's fun. It's not a good reason. He was quoting uh, fans' reasonings why. He said, because it appeared to be no fun for Caitlin Clark. And I would agree. And I'll be curious if this continues to happen, especially when it affects high-profile athletes like the most popular women's basketball player in the country right now. If this were to happen to somebody who's a high-profile, say, Armando Baycott in North Carolina, high-profile men's game player, do you get to a point where you not only find the school, but do you take away the win? Would that be enough to stop court storming and prevent athletes from being injured by fans getting on the floor? We'll get Smitty's thoughts on that. Also keep you up post on the Gamecocks and Wildcats as we roll. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Well, they're underway inside the Colonial Life Arena as Kentucky is in town to take on the Gamecocks. A sluggish start for USC. They have missed their first five from the field. And Kentucky with an early 4 to nothing lead just over two minutes in to the opening half of play. Chris Bergen here in Florence. 
Joshua Cohen back home in our studios in Columbia. Phil's also in Columbia, but Corn has ducked inside the CLA where he'll be covering tonight's ball game. We will hear back from him during the latter portion of this hour. We'll get an update from him at halftime on how things are going. And thus far, as I mentioned, defense sort of uh, setting the tone early. And we'll get Phil's take a little bit later on in the uh, program. In the interim, we've got time to hear from you. 888-898-2525. Again, 888-898-2525. But anytime we have corn disappear, we know exactly where we go. And sometimes it's our leadoff batter. We'll pull him in off the bench to uh, go pinch hit. Sometimes it may be the 12th man that we bring in during basketball season. He is the coveted sixth man. He wins that award here for Sports Talk. He's our good friend Matt Smith down in Georgetown. And Smitty joins us now to cover the uh, next hour of the program. Smitty, welcome back to Sports Talk. And I guess Happy New Year since we have not talked to you since the holidays. I guess so. It's it's been a while. I'm I was happy to hear. Of course, I love Pat, uh, our normal producer, and uh, he's usually usually in the dugout for us. But I was happy to hear Josh dial me up tonight. But then I asked Josh, who I know is a big time Gators fan, you know, how's Florida's basketball team? He said, Well, not a huge hoops fan. I like hockey. And ah. uh, I started convulsing on the floor. Look, I have nothing against <laughs> ice soccer per se, but as you know, I just, as a rule, I refuse to follow any sport where Finland is going to be favored over the United States and Denmark and Russia is a toss up. I'm just not <laughs> going to get behind that. See, now I'm going to step in and defend Josh a little bit because I love the NHL and especially Stanley Cup playoff time. Now, I, the, where I have a hard time is the regular season, much like in the NBA, is way too long. It's hard to get excited about a game in November uh, during, you know, featuring the Las Vegas Golden Knights and the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, it's, it's really difficult. Even though those are two good franchises, it's hard to get excited about them. Much like it's difficult, even in your sports, Smitty, to get excited about the uh, Blue Jays taking on the Kansas City Royals in early May. The season's just too long. Now, get me to playoff time. There's nothing better in my mind than the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, you know, I was talking to someone the other day, uh, a noted, I I won't mention his name only because he, uh, I didn't ask permission, but just a, a noted figure. And he said, you know, I don't watch as much as I used to. And I said, uh, yeah, it depends on who's healthy and what's at stake. And he agreed mm-hmm. with that. And I think that's where a lot of us are with sports. I, it, it's kind of like we get excited about, obviously, we get excited about the NFL every, every season when it comes around, or baseball, or, or, or you and Josh, the NHL, whatever it might be. But nothing compares to what it's like when somebody texts you and said, you've got to turn this on. You know, the Chiefs and the Bills are going back and forth. It's like a heavyweight yeah. bout. And they're throwing haymakers. And nobody's punted yet. And that's what – that's what matters in sports is what's on the line. When you get everybody's best, I'm not talking about load management in the NBA. I'm not talking about somebody sitting out, you know, a baseball game with, with a hangnail. We're talking about when it's on the line. And that's what we're in the midst of with the NFL. And I, I, I'm, I'm really excited about what's coming up this weekend. So I agree with you. And I think we all, I, I think this, this show has aged. Our audience has aged a little bit too. And we all prune our sports trees. When I was young, <laughs> I, I just soaked it all in, right? I mean, put me for, you know, right front row for November bat, non-conference college basketball. But now I think we, we all 
take a step and, and, and take inventory of our lives and say, okay, well, what matters? And I bring that Chiefs-Bills game up because it reminded me how much I love the NFL playoffs. And, you know, you just mentioned the NHL playoffs. The NBA playoffs are around the corner. The NCAA tournament's around the corner. What's on the line and who's playing? That's what matters. So what's on the line? Who's playing? Obviously, when Kentucky pops up on the schedule, it's a big deal, whether it's in November, whether it's in January, or it's tail end of March to go to the Final Four. So what is your take? I know we haven't seen much thus far, but you've got two teams in Kentucky and South Carolina that are combined three of 14 to open the ball game. It won't stay 4-2 to two, Kentucky as it is, but what do you think the Gamecocks' chances are of pulling off what would be a huge win for them and a, a big-time upset at the CLA and one of the rare times here in the last several years that they have taken down a top-10 team? Yeah, you know, I really like this Gamecock team. I like Lamont Paris more and more. You've said this. You, I, I think you've said it on the air, and I know you've said it to me privately. I love to hear him talk talk ball, right? Just Lamont Paris in a microphone. I enjoy that, and I can see why players gravitated him uh, to him through the transfer portal and responding to his coaching style, and they're having such a good season. And and you know we say oh you know you would say overachieving, but that's only based on the narrative. These are talented players. B.J. Mack is a talented player. Amici mm-hmm. uh, Johnson's talented. Period. I know uh, Miles Studi is out tonight, but that's a talented player. Well, Zach Davis is a really talented freshman, I, or a sophomore now. I just think that uh, – I don't even know that they're overachieving. I just think he's a good coach, and he's got some talent to work with this season that he didn't have a season ago. I don't know about tonight. I would think, however, I would think that uh, – I saw that Kentucky earlier in the day was a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's based on, you know, what – Calipari's reputation, Kentucky's reputation, what they've done so far this season. But I'll say this, I think they're in for a fight tonight because I like the CLA's home court advantage this season. I think the Gamecock fans are here for it. I, we'll, we'll check in with Corn. My guess was earlier in the day, I thought, ooh, that might be too many points because I feel like South Carolina at home this year is a different breed of animal. Yeah, they've only lost once. I think 9-1 and one at home. Excuse me, at home, and that was the loss to Georgia last Tuesday in a game they just played about as bad as they possibly can, especially late in that contest. That's a game they probably should have won. And right now, early going, if you're looking at it from uh, as you wrote during the uh, Georgia Tech Clemson game, I loved how you classified it as styles make fights. Well, Kentucky wants to get this game up around 100 points. That's pretty much what they do every night. South Carolina would love to play this game in the 70s, and right now about six minutes in, it's 7-6 to six Gamecocks, and you think the tempo turning it into a half-court game, in my mind, actually probably favors USC. Yeah, I think so. And look, John, we know what John Calipari is, right? I, I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm breaking news to say John Calipari is one of the greatest accruers of talent that college basketball has ever seen. He's great no, indeed. At, at the desk, signing them up, and he is a good coach. It, 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 that can't be denied. He's had too much success. But, you know, strategically, um, over the years, his teams have had a, a, a habit of underachieving sometimes on the road because they have to, because they're always going to have uh, the more talented club. They're always going to be better on paper. So just, just by – virtue of the circumstance they place themselves in sometimes they have to underachieve i like i like lamont paris better as an underdog than i like calipari as a favorite in other words i i feel like if this game is tight as you just mentioned 
that's tight and low scoring, and you get Michi Johnson isolated, top of the key, with something Lamont Paris has, dri has, has drawn up, tight game. I don't know that uh, I like Kentucky in that quite in that position. But you said that uh, South Carolina's lost just once at home. Well, the game they lost at home, they shot so poorly they just <laughs> yeah. they couldn't overcome it. It, it was it was embarrassing. And you know one of the funny things about South Carolina, I've said to a few people, you know they're much better in foul shooting this year, and they are. And then yet they're not. You know statistically sometimes it depends on who's shooting the foul shots. So that's that's something to keep an eye on as well is what happens at the free throw line because, mm -hmm. like I said earlier in the day, and I'll, I'll check the line. It was a five and a half point spread in favor of Kentucky earlier in the day. Well, up and down in conference play across the country, wherever it is. Five-and-a-half-point spread games are always decided at the free-throw line, and we'll see we'll see how South Carolina uh, does tonight. If it's, Michi, if it's Michi Johnson taking the free-throws, I like their chances. If it's B.J. Mack, he's, a, he's an excellent foul shooter. If it's Josh Gray, you know, <laughs> kiss your mom and, and pray to the good Lord. Probably don't want to have Josh out there late in the ballgame because he is not a guy you want to get fouled to go to the line. All right, 10-9 South Carolina with about 12 and a half minutes to go first half. Corn will join us at halftime, give us an update on how the game is going, the atmosphere and the like. We'll also delve into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. They announced the new class of 2024. Uh, three members going in. We'll get details on that momentarily, plus a Smitty's reaction to that. And we will hear from two of the new Gamecock football assistants before we close up shop, both James Coley and we'll also hear from Mark Blackwell in just a little while before we wrap things up. But first, let's head off to the – oh, phones actually went out. So we'll get uh, Josh Working a second reset. Okay, thank you, Josh. Yes, we'll get him an opportunity to reset that. So in the meantime, some of the other news to pass along, and this is why I was glad Smitty was here. The uh, final voting coming in from the uh, Baseball Writers Association to uh, enshrine the newest class of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And Smitty, Andre Beltre, uh, excuse me, and Adrian Beltre, along with Todd Helton and Joe Maurer are the uh, ones to get the uh, necessary votes to get in. Beltre with 95% of the votes. Uh, Hilton got 79, almost 80% of the vote, and Maurer got 76%. You have to have 75%. Billy Wagner, Gary Sheffield, and Andrew Jones don't make the uh, cut this go-round. So first off, your thoughts about the three guys going in and the ones that did not get elected for enshrinement. Well, this is Joe Maurer is always the, is the tricky case, and it is, it's kind of the Sandy Koufax rule. And if, if I can give a long-winded answer to this, um, I've, I'll just say that the other day, Phil relayed a story to me from Art Baker's funeral about Bobby Richardson being in attendance. And Bobby Richardson, of course, you know, uh, obviously famous Gamecocks baseball coach and mm -hmm. prior to that, um, second baseman for the Yankees and, and went to battle with the Dodgers in the World Series, won many World Series himself. And uh, Bobby Richardson told some stories about Sandy Koufax. And what's fascinating is, to me, that's why that's, that's kind of the barometer we look at with someone who, whose career may have ended with injury or for one reason or another, they didn't achieve the numbers. Maybe Grant Hill is another example. They, they didn't get the numbers that we know that they would have gotten. Sterling Sharp, career ended earlier by a neck injury. And Joe Maurer had suffered an injury. We know who he was, however. That's the thing. Sandy Koufax, this is, you know, he hasn't thrown a baseball in 50 years, and they're still standing up and talking about him. 
because of what they saw. I know what I saw when it came to Joe Maurer in the three batting titles. I know what kind of player he was. So I'm, I think I'm behind. I, 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 I've been back and forth. When I was younger, I wanted longevity more. But in truth, in truth, once you see greatness, you've seen it. Once you've seen Akeem Olajuwon, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, you've seen it. You know what it is. And even if they, even if they were to leave the court early for one reason or another and be forced out of the game, they don't have to do it for 20 years. We know what we saw. So I'm glad the, the Baseball Hall of Fame writers deemed Joe Maurer uh, worthy of the Hall of Fame because I think that he is. Beltre is as well, and, and he's an interesting sort. Beltre probably underrated defensively. You called him a Rangers great. I call him a Dodgers great. You know, okay. we're just part yep. company there. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> third base is the most underrepresented position in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You always think, you think, you, you just think, you and me and anybody else, anybody, any sports fan, any fan of a team, you think, hey, we can find a third baseman, right? No, you can't. It's hard. It's it's. It's ex- it's exceedingly difficult. Mike Schmidt, George Brett, Wade Boggs, they don't come around very often. And Adrian Beltre was elite defensively, and he played in a funky era because he was at the tail end of that, that steroid era. The numbers perhaps inflated, but uh, I'm looking at the numbers now. 286 batting average, 477 home runs, elite defensive third baseman. We want our third baseman to be as – as slick defensively as a shortstop, and yet as powerful as a first baseman. And that's why so few go in. So Adrian Beltre gets the nod, and I'm glad he did. And the other one, uh, Todd Hilton, I think probably a no-brainer, even though he only got, and I say only, but he got 80% of the vote. I have no idea. I have no idea the exchange rate, right? Like I know mm-hmm. I know when the guy comes – from the Dominican Republic, uh, the Dominican Republic, like Albert Pujols, and he tells me he's 21 years old. I know he's 25. I understand that exchange rate. I don't know. I know what it's like when you go to the bank and you're going to visit Canada or you're going down to Mexico and they exchange the American dollars for the pesos. What's the exchange rate for being a Colorado Rocky and hitting in that environment? You hit, you know, I love you hit it. 50 home runs, 70 doubles. I don't know how to translate that. I, I think, I think if you were to press me in an honest moment, I think Todd Helton is a Hall of Famer anyway. But I hesitate. I really hesitate when it comes to Colorado. I mean, it's like, I, I, I don't even know how we describe this. It's not like any other sport, which is what makes baseball so fascinating. You don't have this in basketball. You don't have this in football. Yeah, they, they play football in Colorado, but it's not like John Elway's numbers are inflated by 25%. I have no idea how to equate what Todd Helton did in Colorado, but I saw it. I saw it, and I watched him do it, and I watched him do it. He played 50% of his games on the road as well. I think he's probably a Hall of Famer, but I'll tell you, I, I, you know, as a Dodgers fan, I watch a lot of West Coast baseball and NL West baseball. That course field is a different animal. I feel like I'd hit 280 there. I really do. It just looks. They hit a ball to the outfield and out and just splits the outfielders. It's just triples for days. But I, I think, I think Todd Helton, if he plays at Fenway or Yankee Stadium or Dodger Stadium or Wrigley Field, 
or Fulton County. I think he's a Hall of Famer anyway. That is fascinating. I had never considered the possibility that maybe we should penalize players who spent the majority of their career in Denver, especially power hitters. Now, on the flip side, I'll go ahead and throw this, and then we'll get back to the phones. And obviously, my my bias towards Braves guys should all get in. You know, Dale Murphy should be in, that, that type of thing. But Andrew Jones, to me, appeared to be an obvious choice for the Hall of Fame. He didn't come close. We got 62% of the vote. Is he penalized? It's not because of his defensive prowess, for sure. Uh, he was one of the best center fielders to ever play. I mean, he'd go get every ball. What's the reason he's not maybe more well-liked on the balloting for the opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame in your mind? Oh, that's interesting. There's a few different reasons, but one of the things is, and I mean this, I, I'll say this flippantly. I'm going to say it flippantly, but it's very true. He ate himself out of the Hall of Fame. Think okay. about this yeah. for just a moment. You, you are, you, you're talking about a player in Andrew Jones, and you said it's not defensively. You saw him play. And we just talked about Joe Maurer and, and Sandy Koufax and Sterling Sharp and others who, you know, once you see it, you see it. And Grant Hill and, and you hate you hate for injuries or anything else. This was a personal choice. By the time Andrew Jones, I'm looking at his baseballreference.com page right now. Andrew Jones was 31 years old. 31 years old, he hit 158. That's wow. why he's not in the Hall yeah. He was 32 and played in Texas, which is a great hitter's park. He batted 214. This is what happened to Andrew Jones. He fell off so fast, and it's what the voters remember. And they do. And I said, you know, I, I think greatness needs to be rewarded. I said that. I said that just a moment ago. But if you allow me to talk out of both sides of my mouth and be nuanced, <laughs> there's also a place for the Paul Molitors of the world who just keep banging away and doing it year after year. There's a place for the Dave Winfields, who are very, very good, great at times, but just banging away and get to 3,000 hits over the course of their careers. Andrew Jones finished with 1,933 hits, well short of that magic number 3,000, playing sure. in – you know, some pretty decent hitters' parts throughout his career. Right, right. Defensively, it's a joke. He's so good in center field. He's he's one of the three best. It doesn't matter who you know who you're talking about. You can talk about Willie Mays, Richie Ashburn. Uh, it, it, bring up anybody. King Griffey Jr., Torrey Hunter, Andrew Jones is one of the top three defensive center fielders of all time. And you might argue that's enough. That in and of itself is enough. You talk about what the voters remember. The voters remember in 2005, he hit 51 home runs and, and drove in 128, and he was one of the best players in baseball, one of the top three or four players in baseball. And by 2008, he hit three home runs with 14 RBIs and was a shadow of himself, a, a 280-pound shadow of himself. And do guys like that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? That's left to the voters. And you're asking me, would I vote for him? Maybe. But I can tell you those voters didn't like seeing Andrew Jones give up on himself the way that he did the last few years of his career. That is fascinating. And I think you're spot on. And that's probably the reason he's so far down in terms of the balloting. At 62%, I mean, he's not going to gobble up 
pardon the pun here, he's not going to gobble up another 15, 20% of the vote you wouldn't think moving forward. He may never end up in the Hall of Fame unless he's voted in by the, uh, what is it, the Veterans Committee? I mean, they may, they yeah, may ultimately you know, move him in. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to guess here. I'm going to guess without counting it up. I think he's got 10 gold gloves. 10 gold gloves in mm-hmm. center feet. Yeah, Come he's an amazing that's incredible. That's an incredible career. And he also has years, you know, over 100 RBIs. But, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm speculating, okay? I was not in the Braves' dugout. I was not covering the beat. I also saw Bobby Cox pull him out of a game once. I'm just saying I think he has the reputation, whether it's correct or not, he has the reputation of a guy. Okay, the opposite of Craig Biggio. He is the opposite of – if you think about everything you like, you might like about Craig Biggio, who did go into the Hall of Fame, and I was probably on the fence with him, but everything you like about Craig Biggio are all the things you might not like about Andrew Jones. It's good stuff, Smitty. It really is. So the uh, three guys who we do know are going to Cooperstown, Adrian Beltre, along with Todd Helton and Joe Maurer, they each got at least 75% of the vote. Billy Wagner, uh, the closest at 74%, but you got to get 75 to get in for enshrinement in uh, Cooperstown. All right, Kentucky and South Carolina, they are tied at 21 inside the Colonial Life Arena with seven and a half minutes left to go in the first half. We'll hear from Corn at halftime coming up a little bit later on. But before we hit the bottom of the hour, let's head back to the phones at 888-898-2525. And we welcome in Bruce in Missouri. Bruce, you're up next here on Sports Talk. Good evening, sir. Well, thank you guys for fitting me in here. Uh, yes, sir. Talking about everything else. Um, I have been a fan of Paige Becker, ever since she hit the floor, she is back and 10 times better than she ever has been. She's sharing the ball. She's uh, blocking uh, layups. She's uh, a team player. And when she's got to shoot, she shoots. Uh, And I've been watching the whole progression on YouTube. And uh, because you don't get them on TV anymore. But they are moving up. But she is going to be the player of the year this year. That's over Caitlin Clark. Oh, yeah. you think she'll get it over Caitlin Clark? Caitlin Clark isn't a, a team player. You watch you watch Paige Becker, and you're going to see a, ta- a team player. Everybody gets the ball from her. She bounces the mm-hmm. ball into into the play, and she can throw it over the people's heads, and the uh, the other. Uh, uh, Player will get it, get it, and lay it up. She's laying up the ball all the time. She's blocking shots now. I'm so, yes, I'm she's the, got- uh, you, you just got to watch it on YouTube. It's just that's only what place you can get her. But she's mm-hmm. back, and she's going to be player of the year. That's my prediction. And okay. um, I'm watching the Gamecock game, and this is kind of scattered on uh, consistency here. Anyway, thanks for taking my call tonight. Bruce, we appreciate it. Thanks for the uh, phone call. He makes a compelling argument, Smitty, with regards to Paige Beckers. I mean, she is she's already gotten 72 assists this season to just 26 turnovers and averaging 20 points a game. But I can promise you, unless UConn makes a run to the finals, she's not winning it over Caitlin Clark. Uh, there's just too much media muscle right behind Caitlin Clark now. They promote her every opportunity. She's on, she's on television all the time. And, and Bruce does bring up an interesting point. I mean, name me another player for Iowa. I could probably run through 
uh, the majority of players for UConn before I could think of anybody else who plays for Iowa because you just don't get an opportunity to see anybody else but her. Name me another person from Iowa. I want to take away the statehood. Contribute. Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, okay, that's a good one. Actually, that's a really good one. He's probably the highest paid state employee in Iowa. What a crime. What a crime we got a college women's basketball call and corn was away. Tuesday night edition of Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Chris Bergen, Josh Cohen, and Matt Smith with you for the next half an hour. If you'd like to be on the program tonight, you're certainly welcome at 888-898-2525. Again, 888-898-2525. We will hear from the one of the two new assistants for USC football, James Coley, in just a couple of minutes. First, a quick update on the scoreboard. Over inside the uh, Colonial Life Arena, they have hit the under four media timeout. And, Smitty, it's right in, I, th- I think, Carolina's wheelhouse right now, 27-23. The Gamecocks lead by four. Uh, USC shooting 41% from the field. They are four and nine from three-point range. And maybe most importantly, they are out-rebounding Kentucky 17-14. to And they have held the Wildcats to just 38% pursuit, uh, percent, rather shooting from the field. And they're only 2 of 10 from a three-point range. And, and Matt, for a team that has to get up into the uh, 90s, likes to play at around 100 points a ball game, Kentucky's going to have to have a big second half against uh, Carolina's defense for that to occur. Yeah, and certainly, you know, we, we break these games down in so many directions, but oftentimes tight games i mentioned the foul line earlier also that three point it's like point line roulette right if Mm -hmm. if you hit a couple of off balance three pointers and of course you you sit courtside and call coastal carolina all the time you see this in conference games if or maybe a guy comes off the bench that only shoots 25 percent from the three-point line but he comes in and hits two or three in a ball game that's a big difference. That's a difference maker. And South Carolina needs their threes to go tonight to, to pull the upset against Kentucky. You know, you know Kentucky's going to have a run in them. Oh, They're yeah, just no too doubt. good offensively. They're too explosive. That's going to happen. But, I, I th- again, the CLA's a good home environment. They're shooting tough on the road. And I don't know who's hit four. You know, South Carolina used to mention four of nine from the three-point line. I don't know. I don't know who's hit those. But I know down the stretch, at some point, they'll need Michi Johnson to hit a couple of contested threes to pull this off. Let's see. Uh, Cooper's got one of the uh, made threes, and Jacoby Wright has the other three. He's a perfect three of three from three-point range. Well, well there's Michi- an example. I mean, <laughs> that's it. Right on. I mean, Jacoby Wright. He's he's a fine shooter. But he's hit three in the first half against Kentucky. That right there explains most of the reason that South Carolina leads in the ballgame. All right, Clemson's next opponent, some of the other action over in the ACC, Duke on the road uh, taking on Louisville and not much of a game as you would have imagined. Duke up 38-20 to with about five and a half minutes to go first half. Also around the four-minute mark of the opening half, Pittsburgh leads Georgia Tech 22-21. Florida State in front of Syracuse on the road uh, 23-20. That with about six minutes left to go in the opening half of play. And coming up later on tonight, Boston College will play at Virginia Tech. Meantime, other games in the SEC aside from what is going on in Columbia, the uh, the other action will have Missouri taking on a Texas A&M tonight. 
And I believe that's it. Yeah, that's the only other game in the SEC tonight, Missouri at Texas A&M. All right, 888-898-2525. If you'd like to uh, join us here this evening, we will hear from Corn coming up in a little while. But in the meantime, on Friday, South Carolina introduced its uh, two of its new assistants to the uh, football team, James Coley. Uh, one of the uh, two, he'll be taking over as the uh, tight ends coach and comes highly recommended. And as a matter of fact, Shane Beamer saying when uh, they made the change at Texas A&M, Coley was one guy he targeted and wanted to find a way to get into the uh, South Carolina program. So here's a little bit about what he had to say when he met with the media late last week, taking over at USC as a new assistant for Shane Beamer. Here's James Coley. You know, I've been on the sideline and been on the other end of a great atmosphere, electric uh, fan base that's passionate about what they do and it's a you know you sit there and you say wow this is a this is a great place and for me you know it's an honor uh, to be a part of coach Beamer's staff you know because of the man he is because of the type of coach he is you know for me it's a it's awesome and for my family it's a, it's an honor just to be a part of this great university. Howdy, James. Hi. David Kloniger from the Charleston Post and Courier. Uh, how did this, uh, I guess, first start? When did you and Shane start talking about getting over here? And uh, what do you remember about him from your days at Georgia? Yeah, um, started when there was a coaching change. Um, you know, you know, at that time of the year, it's interesting. Um, but, you know, I wanted to finish out the bow game for uh, Texas A&M. And, you know, he's been a, he's a, he's a friend, first of all. So, it's not the first time we've talked since, you know, we were at Georgia together. Uh, but, you know, from the first day at Georgia, you know, you saw, you know, a guy who was driven and and had all the qualities that you said. I sat there and I said, this guy's going to be a head coach pretty soon. You know, um, organized, passionate about the players, you know, always about the players first. So, you know, you sit in a staff meeting for hours with, you know, with a group of guys, you you get to know who they are and you really find out who they are behind the scenes. So when these opportunities come about, you know, for, you know, lack of better terms, it's a no-brainer at home. Everybody's like, absolutely. James, Mike, you have a Gamecock Central. I know you're not a stranger to the transfer portal because this has been going on the last couple of years, right. but having that experience from Texas A&M, you come to a place now where obviously all these faces are going to be new to you, but there's a lot of new faces here in general. What have you learned over the past couple of years to be able to help that transition, especially when you do have a bunch of guys who might not have necessarily come up together from that same recruiting class at that same school? Right. You're talking about culture building right. and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really interesting because, you know, two years ago you could be, you know, visiting, you know, a bunch of high school prospects and, you know, maybe having someone get on campus or going to see one person. Nowadays, you know, you're probably going to see some high school trans, uh, high school students who are in the, who are uh, about to graduate and go on to college, and your very next visit could be with a transfer. So different homes, and it could be with someone from your own team that you want to keep and make sure no one's trying to poach. So um, yeah, it's interesting. And then you got to bring them in a locker room, right? And they got to mesh, and you know, it's hard, but. Um, when you're up front as a coaching staff, you know, when your head coach stands in front of the team meeting like he did last week and explains why, you know, certain guys are on the team and introduces guys and gives them their background, you know, word for word and, you know, in very impressive way that the other guys realize, oh, okay, that's who this guy is. I see his story. 
you know, let's welcome them. So there's a tact to all this, you know, and some, some teams don't, don't have a great tact. They throw them in the locker room. They say, we'll figure it out because the best players are going to play. And that could happen or there could be issues in the locker room. So, yeah, it's interesting. Hey, James, Pete Iacobelli, uh, hey, Associated Press. Um, what can people expect to see out of your receivers this coming year? Yeah, um, you know, we, I pride myself in the phrase change the game. And that can be from an 80-yard touchdown bomb to a slant where you make a guy miss that had a perfect angle on you and you score. It could be from a key block that springs a running back 80 yards. I'm saying that because uh, running backs coach is in the room. Uh, but, you know, those things change the game, right? So, you know, when you see my guys on the field, our guys, you know, you, you, you want to see a bunch of competitors, you know, not a lot of me guys. That'll come. Your me time will come, but competitors, guys that want to compete, they want to be the best in this conference because if you're the best in this conference, you'll be the best in the country. Hey, Coach, I'm Hale McGranahan with the Big Spur. Um, with your current players, guys are on the team right now, how, how much have you, have you been able to study those guys, get to know them, speak to them, or have you been just kind of full steam ahead with recruiting and not on the road and all that stuff? All of the above. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, last last week I got a chance to sit with them and talk to them and, and give them a little rundown on, on, on my philosophy within that room, you know, what coach expects from that room. Um, got to see them work out, you know, so I've been, you know, recruiting, so we're on the road. I've been tapping into certain guys, reaching out on, you know, we've got this group thread going on that's, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool with, with the group. Got a bunch of good guys that they want to get better. So, um, you know, they're responding, and, you know, it's hard when you're traveling. You know, it's hard when you're, when you're out there and you're in, you know, certain towns and, you know, you're going to see guys and your new your players and you're the new guy, they're back home waiting to hear from you. So we tried to do a good job communicating with them. Alan Cole with GameCockScoop.com. Uh, Shane was in here a second ago talking about your relationship with Dowell, how that's already kind of developing. Did you know Dowell Loggins at all before you got here? And I guess if not, what were those first conversations like? No, no, I didn't. Um, so we, we know similar people um, from our past, guys that we work with. Um, you know, I was in the NFL for a couple of years. We knew some of the guys that, that were uh, on those staffs. So, um, but never had a, Never had a relationship with him prior to this stop. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, he's sharp. He's a real sharp guy. So I'm fired up to uh, to be around. He's been very welcoming. And really, to be honest with you, th this staff is, is a bunch of great men, you know, uh, very impressed with being around them. And, um, you know, very blessed. Nick Harbour is an, is an outlier at 6'5", 230 or whatever he is, but most of your receivers currently on the roster profile about the same size, 5'10 uh, to 6 foot. Well, uh, how, how do you handle that as a position coach? Does that impact you know, what, um, what, what y'all are going to do this year? And do you try to address maybe some size issues in the, in the portal in the spring? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we see what's available. I always think you got to, you know, that's, you know, you say you people say that like I'll say it, you know, but at the end of the day, you want to have the best players. You know, I don't know how, you know, how tiring, you know, uh, you know, the cheetah is Tyreek, right? He's not very big, but he's impactful. You know, he can change the game. So 
Uh, yeah, it's great when you have someone like Nick that has that stature. Um, you know, it, it allows you to do a little bit more. You can take advantage. Um, you can take advantage of, of personnel that way. Uh, but you can take advantage of personnel with the other guys too. Everybody has a trait. Everybody has some type of redeeming quality. What, what sets them apart? Or what got them here? You know. And, you know, you got to find out what that is and maximize that while you help them improve on these other areas. But you got to find out what that is so you can maximize on that. But, yeah, it's always great. If the whole room was like that, then, you know, we'd walk out there first, right? Hey, receivers first. You know, let's go shake hands. Matt Vereen from Watch Fox. That is USC's wide receivers coach, the new wide receivers coach. I misspoke earlier. That is James Coley. Some of his comments from uh, Friday when he was officially introduced coming over from Texas A&M where he coached the tight ends, but he'll be handling the wideouts at uh, USC. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. They have gone to halftime, so we'll get a timeout when we come back. I hope to hook up with Corn about a a great finish to the opening half for South Carolina. They closed the half on a 6-0 run, capped it off with another three-pointer from Zach Davis. And USC has an eight-point lead on Kentucky at the break. They're up 33-25. to We'll get Corn on the line, get details on the first half, and uh, wind things down. Tuesday here on Sports Talk. You stay with us after this. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. George Bryan here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different. It's engaging. 
but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Tuesday night here on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. They have gone to halftime at the Colonial Life Arena where South Carolina has a 33-25 lead on Kentucky. And he thought he'd stick in, you know, sneak in there and get a ticket and sit and enjoy the ball game and a hot dog and a, a Coke. And evidently having a good time over there through the uh, first half. Corn back with us. Phil, I'm not sure Lamont Paris could have scripted a better first half for his team. I don't think they could have. This has been worth the price of admission if you're a Gamecock fan leading 33-25 and a half ends on a three by Zachary Davis from the top of the key. As time expired after Kentucky had a layup by Shepard, and he missed it, and he gave the Gamecocks a chance to come down the floor with the last possession and hit that three to go up 33-25. The Gamecocks dominated things over the last six or seven minutes of the half. They finished on a 6-0 run. Kentucky went one for their last 10, did not score for about the last three minutes. So after a cold start, Gamecocks warmed up to 42%. They've hit half of their three. They're six of 12. It's been a pretty clean game. Few fouls, few turnovers. The Gamecocks have turned it over seven times. Their bench has been huge. In particular, Jacoby Wright, three for three from three. And he leaves the Gamecocks with nine. On a night when B.J. Mack has only two points, and they've gotten very little production from Murray Boyles offensively, he does have six rebounds, but he has not scored. Until he hit that three, Davis had not scored. So for much of the first half, three of your starters had not scratched until late in the first half. So the bench has been very good. Gray has given the Gamecocks five solid minutes of four points and three rebounds. He does have two fouls. So the Gamecocks were a little tight early on, I think. The emotion of the house, the enormity of the opponent. But then they settled in and they started playing some really good basketball. And their defense has been phenomenal, holding Kentucky to 34%. The 25 points, the fewest points Kentucky has scored in any half this season. Remember now, this is a team coming in averaging almost 92 points per game. And you hold them to 25 and a half. That's great defensive work. So the Gamecocks just need to build on what they did here in the first half. Don't let up on their defensive edge right now. They've done a really good job of making their switches on the pick and roll not getting beat badly inside by the Kentucky Bigs. In the paint thus far, it's a 12-10 Gamecock lead there. So they've more than held their own. So really, everything points to a a good first half for South Carolina, and it's just a matter of not getting caught up in the moment. Keep doing what you did in the first half, and you could be right there at the end and pulling off a big upset of number six. You know, Corn, uh, Talon Cooper is not usually known for stuffing the stat sheet. His statistics aren't big, but he usually controls the game and plays a really nice, as a floor general from that point guard position. But tonight he's got eight points, three or four from the field. 
is Kentucky allowing him somehow? They're kind of doubling up on Michi and allowing him to get to his spots. What do you say about Talon Cooper, what he's contributed, and is it sustainable? Can they do it again in the second half? Yeah. Yeah, he's played very well. He's gotten to his spot really off the dribble, and he's found his shot coming off the dribble. So he hit a couple of contested threes. One of them in particular came at a great time for South Carolina, kind of sparked their run here late in the first half. He and and, and uh, Wright were the ones that hit a couple of big shots there to, to get them going. Uh, so, yeah, he's been big. He's been very solid for them. He's also got three rebounds and one assist. The Gamecocks, they're making that extra pass. They're not settling. They've got nine assists on their 13 made field goals. So the ball's been moving. Conversely, Kentucky, 11 made field goals, only two assists. So they've been doing a little bit more one-on-one stuff, and they only have four second-chance points. So it's not like there's been a lot of offensive rebounds and stickbacks. So South Carolina, if you're Lamont Barron, you just look at the guys and you say, what you did in the first half was perfect as far as getting you where you need to be. Just keep it going. It's as simple as that. Now, you got to be prepared for whatever adjustments Kentucky might make. You might see a little bit more of Ivicevic in the second half. He only played six points and had um, one point. I'm sorry, he played six minutes and had one point and only took one shot. So, I mean, unless he's on some kind of a, a time limit, I would think you might see more of him in the second half. Nobody's in any real foul, any real, real trouble foul-wise. Nobody has more than two, so you can cut people loose here in the second half. Let me say the crowd's been great. The three that Davis hit at the end of the half, it made the arena shake. It was one of those <laughs> moments. The arena shook, uh, and it's it's almost a full house. I mean, you could if you wanted to round it off, you could say it's a full house. But to be honest. There are some empty seats in the upper deck end zone on the home side. I guess you would call it the Gamecock bench side, that upper deck. There's a few empty seats up there. I don't know what it looks like on the other side because I'm underneath. But everything else is filled up, and this crowd is into this game. They said something big here tonight. Heck of a first half for sure, Phil. We appreciate the update. We'll let you go uh, cover the uh, second half. And don't forget to check Phil's stuff out at sportstalksc.com following the game. Thanks, Corn. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. All right, pal. You too. That's Phil Kornblut inside the Colonial Life Arena as the uh, Gamecocks get ready to begin the uh, second half. And uh, Smitty up 33-25. Aside from the uh, good shooting from the outside, which they had to continue, I think the more impressive part is holding Kentucky to 25 points in in 20 minutes of play. I mean, that's unheard of against the team that's averaging over 90 points a ballgame. That's incredible. It must be a terrific effort what they're doing defensively or mentioned you have to be ready for what Kentucky does in the second half mm-hmm. oh yeah that to me that's going to be major a major factor uh, you know throw the analytics out at this point can South Carolina dig in and stay in front of these Kentucky athletes for the next 20 minutes because if you can do that I feel like South Carolina and the home court advantage, they've got enough. I think they have enough firepower offensively to win this and make shots. And mm-hmm. Jacoby Wright's hot. Michi can free himself. And Talon Cooper is crafty. 
all of those things I think South Carolina can do. Can you dig in and and do you have the lungs and the fortitude to stay in front of Kentucky for 20 minutes because they're going to come at you hard at the end. They don't want to lose that number six ranking. One transition bucket so far. Two fast break points for Kentucky. South Carolina's only got three, but they don't need them. Uh, it's the half-court game that has worked so well for them. Could this be the start of what could be a tremendous basketball week? How about this, Smitty? If the Gamecocks are able to hold on here, then the South Carolina women go to LSU and win on Thursday, and then Clemson wins at Duke on Saturday. Could you have had a better week of basketball in our state than what potentially is in front of us here the next 96 hours or so? Uh, no, I, I, I agree <laughs> with you. And to uh, look, appointment television, Clemson and Duke this weekend, mm-hmm. and I, I think South Carolina, if they can beat Kentucky and Clemson can beat Duke, we need to circle this on the calendar and, uh, and, and put it in the time capsule. It'd be awesome. 20 more minutes over in Columbia, then uh, obviously 40 in Baton Rouge and 40 in Durham. Smitty, appreciate you filling in, my friend. Good to hear from you. Hey, no problem. Yeah, sorry to be so tough on Andrew Jones. <laughs> Braves fans will forgive you. Folks, that's going to do it. We appreciate Josh hanging in with us as well. Y'all have a great evening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hump Day edition of Sports Talk, just after 6.